0: Good morning, welcome to Grace, I'm Pastor Ryan. Today we encounter the church in the city of Philadelphia. It was a city that knew its fair share of difficulties and the ever-present danger of loss and destruction due to constant earthquakes. The Christian community in Philadelphia also knew about loss, as they had recently been rejected by the unbelieving Jews from the synagogue. However, their faithfulness and patient endurance will provide for them a commendation from Jesus with the attached promise of Jesus' protection and a true security in the city of God whose foundations will never crumble. Thanks for joining us as we continue our study today through Jesus' letters to the seven churches of the apocalypse. I don't know if anyone here was aware, uh, just outside of Anchorage, Alaska this past week, another earthquake, 2.3 on the Richter scale. Uh, It was this past summer, my college roommate that I lived with for, for four years, Uh, He was from Alaska and lives there presently in Anchorage. And while they were visiting, I remember asking them about the major earthquake. Do you remember this in the news last year, 2018? 7.0 earthquake on the Richter scale there in Anchorage. Um, If you were to look at some of the footage from security cameras... It's just, to me, something I've thankfully never had to go through, but to feel your feet moving under you and then to see the people just gripping anything they can to hold on while your brain processes, what do I do to find safety? I remember in asking them about that, it was um, my roommate's uh, wife, Erica, said that it wasn't just the earthquake, it was the weeks that followed. For there were approximately, I think, 30 some aftershocks, which they in themselves would knock things over. And you never knew if this one was going to be bigger or what was going to be destroyed. Can you imagine? Imagine living in that kind of condition. You you do, in fact. The, the, The metaphor of an earthquake that could hit at any moment and that does frequently undercut your legs from under you is a problem that the church faces every day. Every week, never really knowing what may come next. And the reason for this is because this world is not our home. This world and the way that it has been structured and designed under the prince of the ruler of the air, that evil one, the imposter who is sitting on Jesus's throne and the curse of sin that has ravaged humanity. It is for the church a place that is not secure It is for the church a place where something is always lurking over you that could fall upon you. Now, this is a message that is probably not going to strike you with the weight that it would as those of our brothers and sisters in India. I heard on the radio this week in India this past year there were over 217 attacks on Christians and churches. Uh, Ever since the government there instituted kind of a formalized Hindu religion, I believe there have been more permissive and a little bit of uh, turning the head the other way to attack Christians. And those Christians, all they have left to do is to just hold on and to be faithful, even under this type of persecution. It is something that's very foreign to us, but it wasn't foreign to those that John is writing to. The letter that Jesus writes to the church in Philadelphia This has been a a tough week. It's been a tough week for me. Um, It was tough to see Evelyn. It was tough to see the reminder of this not being our home. Of these bodies that that could at any moment just break down. And how very subtly you and I take for granted the brevity of life. My neighbor, as I grew up in Florence, uh, killed himself this week. And I did the funeral on Friday. He is 52 years old. Can you imagine? 52 struggled with depression, struggled with all kinds of brokenness in his life and in his spirit. And I know that's not just him. There are many people that hurt, that face depression. It's like an aftershock. It's like an earthquake that could hit you at any time. I'll be honest with you, my study over this letter in Revelation chapter 3 was a difficult one this week. One, um, primarily because the text itself is extremely complex with meaning and even commentators don't agree. Uh, But I believe there's a message in here for us today that we need to to realize as a church. And we need to hold on to even as we are commanded to. Because we face a world of uncertainty and you and I face a world on this side of eternity where you do not have security. For security is not found in your bank account. Can I get an amen for that? Security is not found in your property rights. It's not even found within your family. Pastor Sri knows that all too well. For when he came to Christ, he was disowned by his family. There is for you security in Jesus alone. There is for you adoption into a family that will never leave you. A God who will never forsake you. We must hear the reminder today that the lie that comes from this world of that you can have everything that you ever desired is false, for it is temporary in this world. It is permanent with Jesus Christ. We've got to remind ourselves of that. This was a big part of Jesus' letter to the church in Philadelphia. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to please turn there with me. Revelation chapter 3. We are going to read verses 7 through 13. I've entitled this message, Endurance for the City of God. And a little bit of background here for the uh, city of Philadelphia. Philadelphia is, comes from a, a Greek word. It was um, it, The city had a couple of names before this, but uh, phileo is a, um, a term, a Greek word for love. It's a brotherly kind of love. It's a kind of love that is a friendship Kind of love, you know the kind of friend that you have that you could call anytime and they're going to be there for you. That's philo kind of love. And Adelphos is the end; it means brother. So Philadelphia, as many of you know, is the city of help me out here. Brotherly love, that's what it refers to. Um, Philadelphia here, as we're working our way through Turkey, uh, Asia Minor at the time, this one was known for its uh, grapes. It had vines and it had, uh, throughout the countryside, uh, many, many people, because it, it was at the foot of a volcano. It was right on a fault line, and there in that very fertile soil, the main crop that they would produce was grapes. But the primary feature here in Philadelphia was the earthquakes. In fact in in 17 AD there was an earthquake that completely destroyed the city. This is significant for us because the writers that or the readers that Jesus is writing to would know exactly what life is like to try to hold on in the midst of an earthquake, to try to find stability in a land that has no security for the pillars could topple down on your head at any moment. In fact, in Philadelphia, after the earthquake, people stopped living in the city. Have you ever seen the footage? Maybe, maybe remember in Haiti, remember the, the earthquake they had there of just buildings falling on people? And if you always had that facing you, would you want to live in the city? I know I'm talking to folks from Segola now, but uh, (laughs) you you would want to live in the country. And that's what they did in Philadelphia. They moved into the country. Um, They didn't want to return back to the city. Uh, The earthquakes and the constant aftershocks were ever for them a reminder that the city is not a safe place. It was always a place from which you would flee. And that really depicts for us an important factor. If you can track with me with that concept as we read the text here. Let's read it now. Follow along as we look in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 7. To the angel of the church of Philadelphia, write, These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut. What he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I've placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan, who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars. I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you. From the hour of trial that is going to come upon the whole world to test those who live on the earth. I'm coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. Him to him who overcomes. I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will he leave it. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. I will also write on him my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. All right, there is a lot in here. I'm going to move quickly to try to explain as much of it as I can. The first thing is Jesus opens up. He calls himself holy and true. Um, This is a repetition throughout the book of Revelation. It's one that we've seen in other places. Uh, Jesus is the one who is the embodiment of holiness. And faithfulness and truth is found embodied in Jesus. And so he pronounces himself in that way. It's the next line that's really curious, though. He says, Who holds the key of David... What he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. Isn't that peculiar? Do you ever hear someone say something like that? That's, it's not something that you hear very often. This is actually an Old Testament quotation where Jesus is identifying himself with one who God is going to raise him. Eliakim in the, in the um, book of Isaiah. In fact, let's, let's turn there very briefly. Hold your spot here. Turn to the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament, chapter 22. And we will look in verse... Well, it is verse 22, but we'll look a little bit before that. Eliakim here is the servant that God is going to appoint to become the governor, the ruler over those who need, they need a father. They need a shepherd. Eliakim is a word. You know what Eliakim means? I thought this was awesome. It means one who God has raised up. Think about that for a minute. If you were to put that title, one who God has raised up, who would have that title? Who is the one who God has raised up? It's Jesus. So I, I really like it that Jesus identifies himself with this. Isaiah chapter 22, thousand one. page 1001 in the Pew Bibles. Uh, look just starting in verse 20. Isaiah twenty-two twenty. In that day, I will summon my servant Eliakim, son of Hilkiah. I will clothe him with your robe and fasten your sash around him and hand your authority over to him. He will be a father to those who live in Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. I will place on his shoulder the key to the house of David. What he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. Do you see it? Do you see the same connection here that Jesus uses? So what we need to do is we need to understand Jesus's allusion to this passage must Interpret how we understand what he's saying about himself. And here it is, very short is this. The Christians in Philadelphia were not welcome in the synagogue. Now, quiz time here. What nationality were all of the first Christians? What nationality? were They, they were all Jewish. And so very early on in the faith, if you were to worship, you would worship in the synagogue. You would be worshiping where the Jews worship because Jesus was a fulfillment of the law. And so they continued that practice. But here's what happened in Philadelphia. The Jews in the synagogue, they kicked the Christians out. They weren't welcome there. The door for them was locked. The door for them was shut. Those Christians were not welcome there in the temple. They were kicked out And this is a theme that the Christians knew well in Philadelphia, for they've been fleeing the city from earthquakes for years and years, and now they are sent out, kicked out to flee once more. Jesus says, I am the one who is faithful and true. I am the one who has the key to the house of David. I am the one who shuts doors that no one can open and opens doors that no one can shut. Here's the message Jesus gives. I am the one who has the authority to give you a home. You may not feel like you have a home in Philadelphia, Jesus says, I will give you a new home. I have the authority to say where you can go and where you cannot go. And so this is what this passage means. Uh, it's, it, It's significant for us because if we miss that truth, we might miss more of what's being said here. The idea of a key on his shoulder is one of giving responsibility. And the idea of the key itself is one who holds authority. And that's who Jesus is. Let me clear up a few other things I want you to see in verse 8. He says, I know your deeds. See, I've placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength. Literally here in the original, this means that they were they were small in stature, small in ability. Boy, there's something sweet about a small church. I, I don't know if you know that. There is something that's just very sweet about a small, small church. Even though you might be small, they were mighty because they obeyed God. Not because they had perhaps a lot in and of themselves, but I want you to understand this truth. Size doesn't matter size doesn't matter even if you're the smallest one there you can still make it you can think of this as being true throughout the scriptures um do you remember who uh king david was before he was king david of all of jesse's sons which was he the biggest the he was the smallest that's right or even paul when he says that he comes from the tribe of do you remember tribe of Benjamin. Which was the tribe of Benjamin? The big, strong Judah? No, it was the little smallest one. How about the 5,000 people that Jesus was teaching who were hungry? They were waiting for the bake sale to start. Come on, let's get this thing on the road, right? And there shows up a little lad with two fish, five loaves. Did, he have a, did the little boy, did he have a catering truck? No. Did he have a whole staff to feed? No. He was the smallest Do you see the message here? Size doesn't matter. Faithfulness is what matters. I want Sagola to hear that today. All right, size is not what matters. Faithfulness is what matters. Uh, Look at their faithfulness. He says, you have kept my word. You have not denied my name. And then he brings up, I want you to see in verse nine. I will make those who are in the synagogue of Satan, who claim to be Jews and yet are not, but they're liars. I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I've loved you. So here is uh, the situation. You have these nationalistic Jews. They are Jews by nationality, but they are not Jews at heart. Here's what the Apostle Paul says about that in Romans 2. We saw this again. This is review, by the way. The same thing was said to the letter of Smyrna. You can look back and read it again. They had a synagogue of Satan there as well in that city. Paul writes, A person is not a Jew who is one only outwardly, nor is circumcision merely outward and physical. No, a person is a Jew who is one inwardly, And circumcision is circumcision of the heart by the spirit, not by the written code. Such a person's praise is not from other people, but it's from God. These are this is what characterizes these Christians in Philadelphia. They are those true children of God. And so they've been kicked out and they don't belong. But the promise here is that uh, Jesus will actually make these false Jews come and bow at their feet, recognizing, acknowledging that those who are faithful and obedient, those are the ones who have God's favor. Um, the message that I would give you out of that is that perseverance for you is a witness to those around you. Can I say that again? Perseverance for you is a witness to those around you. Uh, I believe that that will be most significant for you in your workplaces. Because sometimes it's hard to be a Christian. You may not be kicked out. You may not be disowned by your family. But I bet if you started to really share the good news of the gospel at work, how do you think that's going to go? Oh, no. <laughs> so, hear me. Perseverance. Faithfulness. It's a witness to those who are around you. And you look for those moments by the Spirit's leading to share the good news of the gospel with them. Uh, A couple of other things, and as briefly as I can. Uh, The phrase here, to be kept from the hour of trial, you see that in verse 10. I want you to see the connection. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you. That's Jesus' promise, from the hour of trial. Some people take this, and commentators reference this to be a time of tribulation that will be poured out at the end of time. Um, I tend to think in agreement with others, which is a little bit more true to the Greek rendering here, that this is in fact referring to judgment. The testing that will come upon all people is the wrath of God at the end. The judgment of the nations. That is what they will be kept from. Uh, Just one point of defense in that interpretation. If you hold your spot here and you go back to the letter of Smyrna in chapter 2, so just... Back one chapter, Revelation chapter 2. I want you to look at the promise that's given to Smyrna, who are dealing with the very same thing they're dealing with in Philadelphia. Verse 11 of chapter 2. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes will not be hurt at all by the second death. There is throughout every one of these letters a common theme of perseverance and God's faithfulness to keep them from the hour of judgment. That depicted here in Philadelphia as a trial, that great trial that will come upon the earth. Um, there's a lot more that could be said about that. I'd love it if you brought that up in a Bible study on Wednesday. Lastly, is this three promises are made starting here in verse 11. He says, I'm coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown to him who overcomes. Here there, I'll list them for you. Number one, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Where were the Christians excommunicated from? The synagogue. They left the temple. Jesus says, I'll make you a pillar in the temple. What happens to pillars in Philadelphia because of the earthquakes? They crumble. But with Jesus, you will be a pillar that will stand and will not crumble. Secondly, he says, never again will he leave it. This, I think, has that double entendre of being kicked out of the temple by the Jews, but also that frequent fleeing to the countryside. There is no security for you here on this side of eternity. The promise is there is for you security in heaven. And thirdly, it's mentioned three ways, the ownership of God. He says it, that he will write his name on him, the name of his God, and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven and my God, and I will also write my new name on him. This, this doesn't take a lot of explanation for me. If, if Jesus' name is written on you, three ways said here, guess who you belong to? And he will keep those who belong to him. Amen? Amen? I have a couple of observations as we seek to conclude. Number one is this. Jesus has called you his own. If you are like the church in Philadelphia, Jesus has called you his own, that you belong to him. of his glory. You are Jesus's. He has written his name on you. And if that is true, the second here follows. Those who belong to Jesus will therefore keep his word. Uh, uh, There's there so many passages I could have turned to to show this. I want you to see back in the text though. Verse 8. I know your deeds. See, I've placed before you a door knowing. Uh, an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have very little strength. Yet you have. Do you see it here? What did they do? This tiny little powerful church. They kept his word. Uh, this This is the best passage I could find for it. John chapter 10. Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they what? You can't miss the follow part. If you hear his voice, if you're one of his own, what will you do? You'll follow him. You will obey him. So those who belong to Jesus, they keep his word. Thirdly, those who keep his word, therefore, will also be kept from the judgment Again, let me draw your attention back to verse 10. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that's going to come on the whole world. Um, again, a lot of verses I could turn to for this. One that I think reflexively makes it very poignant comes out of Matthew 7. I know you know this passage, but listen to it afresh again now. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my father. Who is in heaven? Many will say to me on that day, "Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles?" Then I will tell them plainly, "I never knew you. Wow, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers! Uh, if you belong to him, you will keep his word. If you keep his word, you will be kept from judgment. Fourthly, and lastly, those who are kept from judgment have." Security in Jesus. And that is the promise that's given to you at the end in verse 12. To him who overcomes, you will be like a pillar in the temple of God. Never will you leave. His name is written on you. Everybody give me this morning. You know where to turn for security? Don't get duped into a false idea of looking to this world and trying to invest your time and your energy here in a way that finds love here. You need to be invested in this world for the sake of those who belong to Jesus. But security is not found for you here. You need to be prepared to face persecution. You need to be prepared to face difficulty. That is what's promised to you. Remember Jesus' word? In this life you will have? Yeah, boy, that's a bummer, right? Except for the next line. Take heart, for I have overcome this world. This is the passage I have for you out of 2 Corinthians Paul writes, now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. Who is it? God God does this. He anointed us. He set his seal of ownership on us. He put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Security is found in Christ alone. So what do you do with this? Here it is. And it's right in our text in verse 11. Hold on. What do you do in an earthquake? What do you do when it feels like life's not going right? Come on, what do you do? You, you hold on. And that is what you are commanded in verse 11. Jesus says, I'm coming soon. Hold on. I want to give you three ways of doing that. Number one is obedience. You need to keep God's word. That's how you hold on. You hold on through obedience, which really begs the question, do you know God's word? Everybody ready for me to go another 30 minutes preaching this? Or are you good? You get it? Do you know God's word, right? It means that you have to have that Bible dusted off. You need to be in it. Is the Bible confusing at times? Yes. Let me get an amen. Yeah, it's confusing at times. We got Bible study, right? A little, a little commercial here. for We got Bible study Wednesday morning. Come on out, bring the best questions you have. Uh, if you are going to find that obedience is what you need to do, you need to hold on to God's word. You need to know God's word. Um, and then you need to know that your desire is to please God by keeping his word. You, you've all heard me talk about my little dog before, right? She's that dog. We let him out. Emily let him out the other day. And he starts running into the street. She yells, Tappy, come back. And you know what he did? Kept running. Boy, that dumb dog. There's no desire to obey its master. What about you? Do you have a desire to obey your master, to keep his word? All right, secondly, is this. You want to hold on? Faithfulness is how you hold on. In this text, the church in Philadelphia was commended. They have not denied Jesus' name. I wonder... I wonder what price you would be willing to pay. Pastor Sheree is going to be with us after the service for a time. I hope you get opportunity to talk to him about the conviction of his adoption into God's family such that that has been a greater value, willing to sacrifice, willing to sacrifice and be faithful for the sake of Jesus Christ. What would you be willing to lose? What would would you be willing to pay that you would keep the name of Jesus? I hope and pray it's never as much as what some others have had to, but this is something that we need to take to heart. To be a little faithful church here in the UP, you've got to remember obedience to God's word is also seen in conjunction with faithfulness to him. It's willing to cost me anything. I will not deny the name of my Savior. Amen? Amen. All right. Thirdly and lastly is perseverance. And this shows up again in verse 10. Since you've kept my command to endure patiently. That's what perseverance means. To endure patiently. I was a... I was hauling some uh, firewood yesterday with the tractor, and I needed to put some diesel fuel in it. So we, we got give a five-gallon jug, right? And I got it up there putting, putting the uh, diesel in the tractor, and I call my little 11-year-old son over. Micah, come and hold this five-gallon tub, right? So he's under that thing. He said, Dad, it's getting heavy. Getting heavy. I said, it's getting lighter. It's, it's being emptied. Come on now, you, got, you know we feel like that sometimes, right? Faithfulness to persevere feels like it's getting heavy. It's really getting lighter all along. You need to endure patiently. Boy, we don't like hearing that, right? But that's, that's what we have for today. You need to hold on. Uh, just remember there's something special about a small church. They were said that they had little strength, but it didn't come from themselves. It was given to them by God. They were called to endure and to wait For a city of true brotherly love. A city that would come from God. Not in Philadelphia, but that New Jerusalem. Where you and I will find true security. Will you pray with me this morning?